0: I want to invite you to turn with me to Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29. We're getting close to the end of the book. We after today we have two more chapters in the book of Proverbs, and uh, and we'll be uh, we'll be looking at those uh, in the in the month of December. Uh, next week, Lord willing, uh, I've got a friend that's going to be coming and, and speaking to us, uh, from, uh, from the word of God, sharing some principles and truths with us. That'll be a help to us. Uh, and, uh, and then, uh, and then we'll take Proverbs 30 the next week. And then, uh, and then I'm praying about whether to do Proverbs 31 on Christmas, uh, Christmas Sunday or the, or the next week. And so you pray with me about that, that, uh, we'll, we'll do just exactly what God would have on that day. But. Proverbs 29, and let's look at this. The Bible says in verse 1, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. You know, when when a person is rebellious or self-willed, the Bible says destruction is going to come. Now, it may not come immediately, but it will come suddenly. It, it'll come uh, often often the... People who, who are rebellious at heart and they're very self-willed, they'll, they'll think that, that, well, I got away with it. And so they'll go on and continue in their rebellion and thinking that they're getting away with it. And the Bible says that destruction is going to come suddenly. All of a sudden, that destruction is going to come upon them. And it says, and that without remedy. In other words, it's saying, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. So what's the solution here? The solution is don't be one that is often reproved and hardening your neck. If, If someone cares enough about you to warn you about the direction you're headed with your life, take heed. Let's compare it to the Word of God and see what God's Word would teach concerning that. And if that person is telling us what is right from the Word of God, let's, let's follow that advice, let's follow that counsel. Hey, and, and let's do what God's Word tells us. God's Word is profitable for, to tell us what is, what is right. It's profitable for doctrine. It's profitable, profitable for reproof, to tell us what's wrong. Tell us when we've been wrong, when, when we've done wrong. You know, if, if, if I was going, you know, today, after the, after the service today, we've got pie. We're going to have some pie and enjoy a time of fellowship together eating pie. But if, if I made the pie, I didn't make it, but if I did make it and, uh, and I went to mix all the ingredients and everything and I reached for the canister of sugar and instead grabbed salt. We would all appreciate somebody saying, Philip, that's salt and that's not sugar, right? Because can you imagine biting into an apple pie that had salt instead of sugar? Oh, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? Oh, that'd be terrible. I'm glad for people that care enough to say, that's wrong, And if somebody cares enough about about you to say, you know, those decisions you're making, it's taking you in a direction that's dangerous for your life. Let's not be one that's just self-willed and hardens our neck and says, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. This is what I want. You know, the world says, do what you want. You identify as what you want to identify as. But here's the thing, I can identify as a six-year-old puppy, but that doesn't make me a six-year-old puppy. And if somebody says, Philip, you're, stop acting like a dog, you're not a dog, I shouldn't hate them for it, right? If I'm if I'm heading down the, the the freeway and 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 an earthquake takes place and a bridge collapses ahead of me and I'm I'm just barreling down the highway there and somebody stands out in the road waving waving a, a, their coat or whatever to to catch my attention and say hey the bridge is out it's collapsed you don't want to go this way stop going this way I. I how foolish of me would it be to say i've been driving since i was 15 years old i know how to do this you don't tell me what to do that's pretty foolish isn't it because destruction will come and that without remedy we want to be we want to be sure that we're that we're humble and listening to what the bible teaches us and and Listening to those that God has lovingly placed in our lives to instruct us and to encourage us in the way we should go. Verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. You know, the Bible shows us how that leaders who seek to follow biblical principles and counsel, they're going to lead their people to blessings. But those who who reject the biblical truth in favor of what may seem popular, they're going to end up oppressing their nation. They're going to end up being a reproach. The Bible says righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. A a wise son, the Bible says, maketh a glad father. If you make wise decisions, you're going to make your parents very, very happy. Because uh, your parents, they, they, want you to, they want you to do well. But if you live foolishly, it's going to bring trouble your way. So a wise son maketh a glad father, the Bible teaches us, whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father. Notice this, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. And we might say, well, well that that I'm off that hook, you know, I don't I don't spend I don't spend uh I, I don't uh, keep company with harlots. I don't keep company with women of the world, loose women and uh, and immoral people. I don't do that. But uh, notice it says he spendeth his substance. Um a son who lives foolishly for self-gratification is uh is going to waste a family's good name and throw and throw his money away really so but let me ask you this you might not be going down to the street corner and and picking up the strange woman but how have you how do you spend your time on the internet how do you spend your time on on uh, Netflix or Hulu or whatever are you watching things that that the lifestyle of those people that you're watching the Bible would say is that of a harlot? Are you you satisfying your fleshly lust by observing immorality on television or on the internet or anything like that? Hey, you know what you're doing? You're spending your money to pay for that. And you're doing exactly what this verse says. You're keeping company with harlots. And it's going to cost you. Because, see, here's the thing. You, you might think, well, it's no big deal. I mean, everybody does it. I mean, this is, I'm an adult, and this is, you know, it's not a kid's show. Well, sometimes I wonder how many things we ought to be watching that kids can't watch. We ought to be very careful you know when whenever I was a kid we uh, we used to sing a song in in Sunday school or in children's church oh be careful little eyes what you see for the father up above is looking down in love so be careful little eyes what you see oh, be careful little ears what you hear be careful little hands what you do, be careful little mouth what you say, be careful little feet where you go. For our Father up in, up above is looking down in love. See, he's looking down in love, but he's watching what we're doing and he's cautioning us, don't say that, don't listen to that, don't watch that, don't do that, please. That's dangerous. And and when we refuse, when we when we harden our neck and say this is what I want, my flesh wants to do this. We become accustomed to sinful living. And it doesn't really bother us that much anymore, we don't think. I heard a, terrible, a terribly cruel illustration, so please don't do this, but you'll understand in a moment. Somebody said, do you know how to boil a frog? Now you see it's cruel, right? Don't, don't, don't boil a frog. But do you know how to? It's not by getting a pot of boiling water and throwing a frog in it because the frog's going to jump right back out. But if you put the frog in the water and warm the water gradually, the frog will become accustomed to it and you'll cook it. How terrible. But you know what? We, We get accustomed to sin not by just plunging right into the middle of it, but by dabbling in it just a little bit at a time. And before long, we're, we're used to it. You walk into a, into a dark room, and, 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 it, and at first you might stop, you know, because you don't want to bump your shin on, on the, the coffee table or something like that. But you stop, and you, you wait a minute, and after a while, your eyes are going to adjust to the dark and then you can walk through there almost, sometimes you can walk through there almost like the lights are on, because you can, your eyes have adjusted enough to be able to see some things, but you can't see everything. And in our lives, often we get our eyes adjusted to the darkness, and we just walk on ahead like there's nothing wrong, and little do we know that there's a trap waiting for us, in that uh, the trap of sin and we've heard the warnings and we've refused to, to heed them, and there will come sudden destruction. The king by judgment establisheth the land, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. A wise king is, is going to use discernment and discretion as he, as he uh, rules in his, in his land, as he leads his people, as he uh, fulfills his role as the leader. Using discernment and discretion, it's going to establish a good testimony and reputation for that king, for that leader. But if a leader is one who accepts gifts or bribes from from the lobbyists or from corporations or or even from other nations, what he's going to do uh, is he's going to ultimately undermine the integrity of, of his administration and he's going to overthrow the nation. He's going to bring destruction to the nation because he's become one that accepts bribes from other people. Uh, He's he's accepted uh, gifts, and and he's going to be more friendly towards those people who may even be our enemies. We need to be careful when the world begins to promise you all kinds of things uh, because the world makes empty promises. But if you start believing those promises and accepting the things that the world has to offer, you're going to, you're going to lead your family, you're going to set up your life on some very unstable ground, and you're going to be bringing destruction upon yourself. That's, that's the, that's one thing that we need to understand throughout this, throughout this proverb, this, this uh, chapter of Proverbs here, over and over and over, we're seeing that the consequences that come, it's not God being mean. It's not God being hateful. It's not God just being harsh. It, It is us setting ourselves up for the destruction that comes because we choose to do it our way rather than God's way. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. When someone begins to flatter you, you, you have to wonder, you know, what, what, what do you want? You know, moms and dads, many times your kids come up, you know, oh, Daddy, you're the strongest. You know, you're the most handsome man ever. Nobody can do anything like Daddy can. Or, Mommy, you're so beautiful. You're you're the sweetest. You're the prettiest. You 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 cook the best food. You know, and and when they when they start getting like overly sweet like that, you, you sit there. Mm hmm. What do you want? You begin to hold tightly to your wallet, you know, because they're gonna they want some money or they want something. Now sometimes they're just being genuinely sweet, but every once in a while you you kind of you get to know your kids, right? When somebody's uh, when somebody is a flatterer. The Bible says, watch out, they're spreading a net for your feet. Earlier in the book of Proverbs, uh, the Bible says that in vain, a net is spread in the sight of any bird. Birds are smart enough to see if you're, set, if you're setting up a net to catch them, they're smart enough to avoid that net. But why are we not smart enough to avoid the traps that people set for us and that the devil sets for us and the world sets for us? We ought to, we ought to exercise the wisdom that God teaches us in his word and not give in to flattery. Let's not listen to flattery. Hey, let's not be a flatterer. Now there's nothing wrong with genuine praise, like uh, giving somebody a compliment and encouraging somebody, and and uh, and and praising them for a job well done. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, we need to be people that are encouraging one another, and I understand that God deserves uh, all. Uh, gl- uh, he, he deserves all glory, and we ought to be praising God. But there's nothing wrong with encouraging one another. Now, when somebody praises you or encourages you, let's be sure that we're not receiving they're like yeah I did a good job didn't I but let's deflect that praise to the one who truly deserves it above all right uh, but as we but as somebody encourages you and and, and compliments you for a job well done it, it it's, it's strengthening and it, and it does encourage us but be careful about flattery because they're spreading a net they're setting a trap they want to really they're they're trying to use you. They're trying to get your favor so they can get something from you. And that's something we need to be careful of. In the transgression of an evil man, there is a snare, but the righteous does sing and rejoice. Transgression or sin always comes with, uh, with consequences. The transgression uh, or the transgressor is often plagued with fear that he or she is going to get caught, and and that that uh, their that uh, their their scheme is going to you know come to an abrupt end. Uh, but the Bible says that uh, the transgression of an evil man there's a snare, and it's like it's like when, whenever you put on your dress clothes or your, your really nice clothes and everything, and you walk through a briar patch. There's those those briars sticking out there, and you you're trying to be really careful because you're you're sure to get snagged on, and you are going to get snagged on it. There's a snare. There's a trap. There's a there's a briar. There's a, a something that's going to going to cost you for the choices that you've made. But the Bible says, "The righteous doth sing and rejoice." The righteous, a righteous person, someone who is living righteously and following God's way, is not putting themselves in a position uh, to be walking through the briar patch. So they're not all stressed out. They're not all fearful of getting caught in what they're doing. But their heart and their life can be filled with peace and with joy. Because, hey, in God's way, there is peace and joy. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Uh, some years ago, a survey was done on college, campus, on college campuses, and the students were asked, what are the three most important things to you? What are the top three things that you want out of life? And people said, I want to find true love, I want peace of mind, and I want to be happy. Love, joy, Peace. Those are products that come from God. And when we follow God in His way, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, and when we do as He leads us in His Word to do, we're going to have true love. A love that you've never even comprehended before. And He'll help you to understand what real love is all about. He'll give you joy, not just happiness. See, happiness is based on happenings because uh, you, can, you can, you know, in a little bit, we're going to have pie and we're going to be happy about the pie. But then the pie, then the, when the pie is gone, we're not going to be happy because there's not any more pie, but we can still be joyful, right? We can still be joyful because joy is not dependent upon our happenings, joy is produced by the holy spirit of god who lives inside us as a believer and he's giving us the strength to rejoice even in difficult times see as believers we're not promised we're not promised an easy road but we are promised that the Holy Spirit will be there with us every step of the way. And he'll, and he'll be there to strengthen us and to give us joy and strength in the inner man so that we're able to be a good testimony for Jesus Christ uh, to those around us. And then peace. The Bible says that He'll give you peace that passes all understanding. We, how, how does that work? Well, through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Then the Bible says that the peace of God can fill our hearts and minds because we have a relationship with the Prince of Peace. Isn't that wonderful? God will give us those things that people are truly seeking for if we'll follow Him. And we don't have to go through life with a uh, with a guilt ridden conscience, looking over our shoulder, wondering wondering who's going to catch me. Hey, stay away from those things, and just honor God. The righteous considereth the cause of the poor, but the wicked regardeth not to know it. Uh, the righteous realize that, that they have been blessed by God so much. They have received the, the uh, goodness that they didn't deserve. We, di- we didn't deserve the goodness of God, but he gave it to us anyway. And so Jesus said, freely ye have received, freely give. You've received grace. You've received goodness. So be good to people. Show grace to people. Show the love of Christ to people. But wicked, the lawless, the rebellious, the self-focused crowd, they're they're not not really going to think twice about the plight of the poor unless it's in a way that's going to benefit them or they think it's going to soothe their conscience by doing something for somebody. But even in that, the focus is them. It's not to be a blessing to somebody else. Scornful men bring a city into a snare, but the, but wise men turn away wrath. Scorn is the feeling or belief that someone or something is worthless or despicable. Now, we see this in politics all the time, don't we? Now that the, now that the election is, that, the, that our part of the election is over, uh, I, I'll... I'll call some names here a little bit. President Trump regularly, le- regularly disparages the opposition. Uh, what, um, he, he, he says things, just hateful and mean, cruel things about them. Now, they're resisting everything he's doing. And, 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 and if you look at what they're doing, they're just resisting it because he is who he is and he's not them. Neither one of them are being right in what they're doing. And what you know what they're doing? They're being scorners. They're not they're not following biblical principles when they're when they're doing those types of things. It's those types of things that turn people that turn people off. Now let me ask you this, do you want do you want people to to react toward you like we've seen so many people act, act and react toward, uh, toward these politicians. I don't. And I certainly don't want, to want people to respond and react toward Jesus Christ the way that people react toward politicians because of something that I have done. I don't want to give people a cause to be a scorner toward God's word so I need to live my life not scorning. I need to be encouraging to others. The Bible says wise men turn away wrath. I always, always enjoyed watching one of the old video clips of President Reagan. He had a way of diffusing anger and things like that. And here's how he would do it. He would get in his jabs at the opposition, but he would do it while making a joke on himself. And who's going to be able to get mad at you when you do something like that, right? It's like they were talking about him being, him being old, you know, in the, the last, the last uh, election that he, was, that he won. Uh, they, they were talking about his age and at the time, he was the oldest elected president, and, uh, and they were criticizing him for that. And, and in one of the debates, his, his opposition made a statement about, about how similar he was to Thomas Jefferson. And President Reagan said, well, sir, he said, I knew Thomas Jefferson, and you're no Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> you know, he, he was making a joke on himself, and, and meanwhile, getting his point across. And you know, I, I think that I think that if we'll do things a little more that way, rather than the hateful, scornful, argumentative, cruel way that we see so many today, I think I think we'd we'd make more headway. Don't you? Let's not be a scorner. Let's be wise and turn away wrath. There's many verses in Scripture that teaches us how to turn away wrath. A soft answer, turneth away wrath, but grievous words, stir up anger. Where there's no wood, the fire goeth out. If you, if you take away, if you take away the, the argumentative words and all of that, you know, the strife is going to cease. If you stop arguing, The argument's going to stop, right? So let's be wise and turn away wrath. Verse 9, if a wise man contendeth with a foolish man, whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. And it's interesting here that it's not really clear which one the he is. Whether he rage or laugh, there is no rest. But, you know, either way, whether it's talking about the wise man or the foolish man, raging or laughing in a, in a contentious situation between a wise man and a foolish man, there's no rest. Because the foolish man, is, he's, he's, he's going to resist the wisdom. He's going to re, uh, continue to argue. He's not going to listen to reason. And there'll be no peace. There'll be no rest. This is why the scripture said, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like him. Verse 10, the bloodthirsty hate the upright, but the just seek his soul. You know, there are people that actually hate us because we are believers in Jesus Christ. They would would actually like to see us die. There are people like that in this world. That want to see us die for no other reason but that we're believers in Jesus Christ. There are, we have brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are suffering persecution because they've trusted in Jesus, because they have chosen to do what, to do what several over the last several weeks have done, be baptized and boldly proclaim their faith in Jesus Christ. And in some arabic nations they'll 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 go through and they'll mark their house with a with the uh, with a letter of their alphabet that that represents to them that that person is a follower of jesus of nazareth they'll mark them for persecution they'll mark them for death and that's been the story of believers all through history there are people who, who hate the upright. They are bloodthirsty and they hate the upright. They hate believers in Jesus Christ. But notice what it says, but the just seek his soul. Now, because they hate us, does that mean that we're justified in hating them? No, not at all. We are, we are not justified in hating people. In fact, a true believer in Jesus Christ is going to recognize that anyone without Christ is on their way to hell and is going to have a broken heart and a burden for that person, even if that person is seeking to kill them. I read the story, or I heard the testimony of a, of a preacher from Romania many years ago who was, who was arrested for preaching the Word of God, uh, in that communist nation and, and, and he was put in prison and he was beaten, repeatedly beaten because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And one day, when he was when he was taken to the interrogation room for his for his regular beating, uh, the the man the, the officer that was going to to uh, to beat him uh, was getting ready to uh, to hurt the man the the preacher. And the preacher said, "Excuse me." He said, "Before you get started today," he said, "Can I just say something?" He said, "I, I want to apologize to you for the way I acted last week." He said, "I, I realized that last week was Easter Sunday." And, and while I should have been rejoicing over uh, the, the privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ, he said, I screamed and cried like a baby, begging for mercy. He said, I'm sorry for that. Instead, I should thank you for giving me the privilege of suffering for Jesus Christ. And his persecutor was so bewildered by that. He was so baffled that he walked out of the room and the man was returned to his cell. Later on, that that pastor was able to see several of those guards come to Jesus Christ in faith because even in his time of persecution, he didn't respond with hate. He didn't say, oh, I... I you, I I wish I could get my hands on you. He didn't say one day you're gonna stand before God and you're gonna go to hell because you're because you hate God and you're treating me like this. He didn't say that. But he looked at him and he and, and he said, Look, I love you. And I'm praying for you that you'll see the truth of who Jesus is and that you'll receive him as your Savior. What a testimony! See a child of God, uh, a child of God. Instead of having hate, we have love, that is produced by the Holy Spirit of God in our life, and we want to see people saved. I, I think of I think of of the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest preachers of all time. God used him to write the majority of the New Testament. But do you know who who the Apostle Paul was before he got saved? He was Saul, the Pharisee, the persecutor of Christians. His testimony was that he would would take guards with him and seek out Christians to arrest them and have them put to death. The Bible says that Saul was breathing out uh, threatenings and slaughter. That's the the mindset he had toward Christians. But one day he he was consenting unto the death of a young man named, named Stephen. And as Stephen was standing boldly for Jesus Christ... And as Stephen was taken out by the the people there and, and, and stoned to death, Saul heard the words that came from Stephen's mouth as Stephen looked up into heaven and he said, he said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Saul Observed the testimony of true believers. A testimony of grace and love, a testimony of peace, a testimony, a testimony that that said, Hey, we're praying for you. I firmly believe that somebody was praying for Saul of Tarsus that daily called his name in prayer, not saying, God, please don't let us get caught by Saul. But I believe somebody was praying for Saul of Tarsus saying, saying, Lord Jesus, would you please help Saul to turn to you in faith? I wonder who are you praying for? Are you praying for somebody to trust Jesus as their Savior? Is there somebody who is the target of your prayers and your your goal and your aim is to see them saved, to see their life transformed by the only one who can truly transform a life? The just seek his soul. Verse eleven: A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. You know, it's been said uh, it's better to be silent and thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Right? A, a fool is going to is is going to say whatever whatever is on his mind without really thinking it through. You know, you know those people that that they need a filter. You know the, these masks that we have to wear. The, they're not. They don't really serve as, as filters in this way. We, we, need, we need a filter for what comes out of our mouth. My mo- I've told you before, my mom used to always tell me, God knew that your tongue was going to get you in trouble. That's why he put it behind bars and doors, right? Keep, keep that tongue in because your mouth will get you in trouble. A fool uttereth all his mind. A fool's just going to say whatever's on his mind. Whatever he wants to say with no regard. I've found that, uh, that a little patience will help tremendously in so many areas of your life. You know, this Christmas season, we want to buy gifts for people and everything, and, 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 um, and you've got these people that are promising uh, that this is a really good deal, this is a great sale, and, and you need to get it today. kind of like these black friday sales you know they'll sell a television for 4.99 uh all year long the week leading up to to black friday it's 4.99 4.99 and then on black friday it says the price was 6.99 but it's marked down to 4.99 you know you're getting a good deal if somebody says you have to buy it today i'd i'd say well you know i'll just have to go without it usually that's probably the best the best answer Because if they're that urgent about selling it, it'll probably be there tomorrow too. Or they're taking you. They're taking advantage of you. A little patience will help you to think through a purchase. A little patience will help you to think through a situation. Hey, a little patience will help you think through your response. So you're not acting like a fool and uttering all your mind. If a ruler hearken to lies, all his servants are wicked. A wicked ruler is going to surround himself with wicked counselors and servants, and a dishonest, wicked, and self-centered culture is going to be created, and suspicion and jealousy is going to abound. All the servants are going to be wicked. Everybody's going to be given into that, that way of, li- of living. But that's not what the Bible wants for us, is it? encourages us to righteousness. The poor and deceitful man meet together. The Lord lighteneth both their eyes. I'm, I'm so grateful that the Lord is going to give understanding to anyone, uh, and He offers it to everybody, uh, so they'll have what they need to make a right decision. But how do, they, how, how do they take advantage of that offer of understanding, that offer for their eyes to be light like, hey, by trusting in God, by following Him, by believing in Him. Many times people say, God, I just wish you'd teach me. You'd show me what's right. I wish you'd speak to me, God. And he's given us a whole book, but they won't read it. The king that faithfully judgeth the poor, his throne shall be established forever. Compassion and consideration will go further to establish a a, a ruler. Solomon uh, gave this teaching to his son Rehoboam. This whole book of of Proverbs, uh, at least the majority of this book of Proverbs, was written by Solomon to, to teach his son wisdom, to help his son understand how he ought to be as a ruler. Because Solomon was king over Israel, and Rehoboam was going to follow him on the throne. But as we read the story of Rehoboam there in the Old Testament, we find that he didn't listen to his father's counsel. He didn't faithfully judge the poor, and so his throne was not established. What did he do? the The people came to him and said, "You know, your father was a little bit strict on us and a little heavy handed. Uh, would you lighten our Would you lighten our burden?" And he said, "And and." He went to his father's counselors and they said, I think you ought to listen to the people. But he didn't like that because it didn't make him feel, feel good about, about being, uh, being a ruler and, and all of that. And he, he thought that maybe it'd make him less of a man, uh, before the eyes of the people. So he went to his friends and, and asked them and his friends said, no, no, the people think you're weak if you lighten up on them. You got to be strong. You got to show them that, that your father was, your father was a weakling compared to you. And so that's the answer he gave the people. And it split the nation, divided the nation, literally, into two nations. If he had just listened to his dad, if he had just listened to wise counsel, he could have have protected the nation against that. Verse 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. The rod was used to teach that there are consequences for, for sin, for wrongdoing. Reproof is instructing that certain things are, are unacceptable. And, and these both teach wisdom and help you to understand uh, that you need to make wise choices in the future. H- um, however, when a child does not have someone that loves them enough to, uh, to teach them uh, these truths... They're going to be, bring shame to their mother, the Bible says. Bringeth his mother to shame. Now, dads, we need to protect her against that. Not, not, ladies, it's not saying you're weak, you can't protect yourself. But, but God has given the, the husband the responsibility to, and he, he, he gave us the, the responsibility to provide for, first and foremost, our wife. And we're to protect her against the enemies without, hey, we're to protect her from shame that comes from leaving a child to themselves. What does that mean? That means, dads, we we need to be more than just the authority. We need to be more than the disciplinarian. We need to be a dad. Just about anybody can father a child, but it takes somebody of character to be a dad. Be a dad. Be available. Be connected. Be a good example to your son. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression uh, increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. The more, the more, people, uh, the more people feed off of one another's sin, uh, the, it, it seems to just kind of stir them up and rile them up more and more and more. That's why, that's why, that's why the, uh, many of these protests and everything that happened over the last several months that's why many of them might have started out as peaceful protests, but they turned violent because more and more people were coming with, with different ideas and they began to feed off of each other and all of a sudden, you know, it's explosive. We don't need to be that way. Transgression increaseth, but the righteous shall see their fall. Hey, the righteous will see the downfall of the wicked, even if it's only on judgment day. But they're going to see them come to, that, that wickedness come to an end. Verse 17, correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. Remember, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Utilize these resources, parents, and and, uh, the methods that God prescribes for lovingly training your children, and you'll reap the rewards of of your consistent, loving training. Verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This vision is speaking of, of no insight, no understanding of, of the Bible and biblical principles. And when, when we don't have an understanding of biblical principles, we're going to go our own way and we're going to fall into trouble. We're going to get caught in the traps of sin. Where, where there's no understanding and no concept of what's right and wrong, people are going to tend toward, toward doing wrong and they're going to end in destruction. But obedience to what God says is right is going to bring an abundance of blessings. Verse 19, A servant will not be corrected by words, for though he understand, he will not answer. You know, Many times, many times we find that, that just talking to somebody and telling them what they did was wrong, it, it doesn't usually always fix the problem. Many times there has to be consequences that comes along with it for somebody to learn. For them to learn their lesson. Hey, because we live in a in a in a day and time when when more and more people seem to have to learn the hard way. Do you know people that have to learn the hard way? It's not pleasant. It's called the hard way for a reason. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It hurts. It brings pain. It it brings uh, it brings uh, uh, broken. It, it can it can bring brokenness to relationships. It can bring uh, a brokenness to to health. It, many many things can can happen when somebody has to learn the hard way. Don't be one that has to learn the hard way. Listen and learn from the wisdom that God's word teaches. Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Uh, th- that man that's wise in his own conceit, that person who's stiff-necked, and, and they, they, they're always wanting to give an answer and argue back and, and, and justify their wrong. The Bible says there's more hope of a fool than of him. Scripture says in the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. You know when it when it comes to when it comes to an argument or whatever, I've never regretted words that I didn't say. But there are plenty of words that I've said that I have I have wished that I could take them back. But once they're out there, they're out there. The damage is done. Words are the, the Bible. The Bible says that the words of a talebearer. Are his wounds and go down to the innermost parts of the belly. Somebody that's going around gossiping and, and everything he he can he can bring great and deep hurt to people. But but I've found that I found that even when you're arguing and when you're uh, saying all kinds of hateful and spiteful things, that your words are like daggers. They're like sharp arrows and they pierce and they and they cut and, and it brings great hurt and harm to relationships. Let's be careful about the words that we say. Verse 21, he that delicately bringeth up his servant from a child shall have him become his son at the length. Many times in Scripture, the words servant and slave were, were, were synonymous. And many times people say, the Bible condoned slavery. No, the Bible reported on slavery. Just because it told about slavery happening doesn't mean that it condoned slavery. In fact, if you follow the biblical narrative, the slaves were always released when God, when they're follow when the owners and the masters were following God's way they were always released because uh, in that day in that day people were taken into slavery for uh, for, for different reasons some was some was because they didn't have like regular jail houses and things like that so they so if if somebody was defaulting on a loan or something then then they would go and they would serve as a slave in the house of the of the the, the one who loaned the money the creditor they would serve as a debtor but the bible says that that when that when a child, when maybe maybe a maybe a, a person is a slave and uh, owing money to their to the master, and and that slave gives, you know, begets a child, their family gives birth to a, to a child, and that child grows up serving in the home. The love that the master shows to that that child. Should be like that for his own son. That's what the Bible's saying here. That doesn't, that doesn't teach the, the idea of slavery that people want to accuse the Bible of today, does it? This is love, mercy, grace, freedom. I just love God's way. Verse 22, an angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. You know, anger is going to get you into a lot of trouble. That's basically what that verse is saying. Anger is going to get you into a lot of trouble. Don't be an angry man. Don't be an angry person. A furious, a furious man aboundeth in transgression. You're going, to, you're going to say all kinds of stuff and, and, get into a, and get into a lot of situations that are unpleasant and, and, and that are sinful, Verse 23 A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall, up, shall uphold the humble in spirit. Uh, the world teaches that pride is the way to advance, that pride is how you get ahead. You be, you be proud of yourself and proud in what you're doing. You be proud and, and let pride lift you up. And arrogance and pride uh, be a part of your life. That's what the world teaches. And our own flesh. Our own sinful nature will encourage that as well, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says humility is the way to promotion. Because pride, the the Bible says God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. I'd rather be promoted by God, exalted by God, than by man any day. I'd rather be exalted by God and promoted by God than by myself any day. God says the way to have that happen is by humility. Humble yourself. Whoso is partner with a thief, hateth his own soul. He heareth cursing and betrayeth it not. Partnering with a thief is just foolish. They're going to steal from you. They're going to, they're going to cheat you. They're going to do you wrong. And, but you set yourself up for that by getting into that relationship to begin with. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man is being more concerned about what people think than what, than what honors God. And we all tend to struggle with this mindset. We all tend to struggle with this uh, seeking the approval and validation from others. But in the big picture, what does it really matter as long as God is honored and pleased? Amen. When we understand who God says we are, and we live in the freedom of that identity in Christ, man's opinion doesn't really matter. When we live in the freedom of our, uh, that we have in our identity in Christ, we're going to be good, we're going to be gracious, we're going to be loving, we're going to be peacemakers, we're going to be uh, those things that are going to draw people to us. Now, there may be some that look at you and, and criticize you and, and oppose you. Hey, But that's going to happen because the wicked hate the upright. Many seek the ruler's favor, but man, every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. You know, we're prone to to try to please men. But one day, on judgment day, we're going to be standing before before the throne of God. He's the one that's going to be speaking and and judging us for, for how we lived our lives. Not your friend not your boss, not your sibling, not anybody else. It's going to be God himself. He's the one we need to honor. He's the one we need to please. And here's the thing. It's not that hard to please him religion sets up all these rules and all these things and and lays a heavy burden on us and and makes us think that makes us think that it's it's so hard to please God but it's not really we have this tendency to want to go our own way and do our own thing and then when we see people that are living right and doing right we get mad at them because we feel guilty That's what this next verse is talking about. It says, an unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is abomination to the wicked. Good and evil are at odds. A a person of high morals and good character uh, is turned off by by people with poor character and low morals. Likewise, a person who is steeped in sin feels convicted by the presence of, of someone with a reputation for striving to live for God often instead of repenting and turning to Jesus for freedom, they begin, to, they begin to identify that person with their conviction. And they feel like that person is judging them. When all that person has done is let their light so shine before men. That person has just tried to exalt Jesus, hasn't had a, a, a cruel or a hateful or mean word to say. They've just tried to live for Jesus. Jesus. God wants us to understand that his way is what's right. God wants us to see the way to blessings is by living righteously and godly. And as we live righteously and godly in this present world, it's going to strengthen our relationship with him and it's going to strengthen our relationship with one another. Are there going to be people that oppose us? Absolutely. But we don't have to, be, we don't have to worry about them. We do need to pray for them. And I, believe, I believe that, that the, the longer we live for Jesus, the more opposition we're going to face by those who oppose Christ. And the more I believe that we're going to need to have a resolve that we're going to stand for Christ regardless of what's going on, regardless of who likes it and who doesn't, because we love Jesus. And we love him because he first loved us. And he made it possible for us to be free from the oppression of man's opinions. He made it possible for us to be free from the bondage of sin. He made it f- uh, possible for us to be free from, uh, from the, the, the traps that, that sin will set for you. And that freedom comes through a relationship with him. And he didn't just he didn't look at the world and and choose his favorites and say I'm going to make it available to just these because they're the prettiest, they're the best, they're the strongest, they're my favorites. That's not what he said. God loved the whole world. God loved everybody. He he loved us so much. I said at the beginning of the service, God loved us so much that he sent Jesus to pay the price that you and I could not pay to make it possible for us to have a relationship with Him. Why can't we have a relationship with God? Because of our sin. Our sin has separated between us and God. And there's nothing we can do to undo the sin that we have committed and change ourselves from being sinners into something that is acceptable to God. So Jesus did the work for us And he offers it to you freely. And he says, look, I've purchased for you forgiveness of sins. I've purchased for you eternal life. I've purchased for you a a place in the family of God. I've purchased for you the, the transformation into a new creature in Christ. And I want to give it to you. And it's yours by faith. It's not by living living a good life and going to church and giving money and all this kind of stuff. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. But according to his mercy that he saves us. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This book of Proverbs teaches us how we as believers ought to live and act. And you know, even someone who is un- unsaved can live this way and, and find, uh, find blessings and avoid consequences. But it's even more blessed and you're strengthened to continue in this way when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can do all of these things, as far as living right and not gossiping and not uh, falling for flattery and not being a flatterer and all those kind of things, you can do all of those things and still die and go to hell because it's not by doing works that makes us saved. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Realizing that when Jesus came and put, and, and, gave himself as the sacrifice for our sins when he shed his blood on the cross and he allowed those men to nail him to the cross and he hung there uh hung there and bled and died that he was shedding his blood to pay the price for your sins why because the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord and he wants you to have that gift so he said in his word if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So what does it take? Faith. How do you receive this gift? Well, you admit to God that you know you're a sinner. You understand that you're a sinner. And it's not being flippant, yeah, I'm a sinner, yeah, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all sinners, yeah, right? It's not that. But it's having that that understanding of what that means, that you're a sinner. Separated from God on your way to hell without God's mercy and grace. But if you'll trust His mercy and grace, if you'll receive it, He'll save you. So you admit to God that you're a sinner, uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, the Bible says. And then you call on Jesus. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved.